Well, good morning. My name is Jill Lee Walt, and I'm the Manhattan Beach Campus Pastor here at Journey of Faith. Thank you so much for joining us today and also over at our Torrance campus. Hello. Also, hello to everyone online. We're so glad that you're joining us today. Uh, I do want you to know that I feel better than I sound. Okay, so we're going to get through this. I have this hot tea, and we have that amazing sound team at the back. They're gonna, going to make sure that you are hearing me today, because I'm very excited for uh, the fourth week of this message series that we've been talking about called Positive Influence. Now, we have been recognizing that even if you don't have a position of power or authority uh, at work or at home, all of us do have people that we can influence. And so we should learn how to best steward that influence and how to best grow as leaders by looking at the life of Jesus. Now Jesus was an incredible influencer into people's lives. And so we've read in scripture to identify some specific character traits that we can try to incorporate into our influence to make the most positive change in other people's lives. Now here's where we've started the last couple of weeks. Uh, We've talked about these things, and now we have heard from you that they have been really helpful messages in framing uh, what you believe about power and influence and challenging you to really think about how uh, you should change in the positive direction. And so if you haven't been able to watch those messages, please go do. Uh, You can find them on our website as well as our YouTube page. Uh, And we love to hear that you are learning and internalizing that and that God is changing you into a better version of yourself, that's really good. Uh, But what is better than that is if you are taking that positive change and then you're sharing that out with other people to help them grow in their influence as well. Now, some of you might be thinking like, whoa, 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 it is taking all of me to work on myself right now and now you're challenging me to think of other people and, you know, that is your choice. As you grow in influence and maturity and discernment, you could keep others out of that. But as my friends in Gen Z would say, no gatekeeping, good influence, right? We want you to bring others along in what you are learning. We collectively need more leaders who are growing in these spaces and sharing that part of them with each of us. That's actually the next character trait that we're going to look at today from the life of Jesus, and that is this, empowerment. Now, empowerment is more than just simply being an encouraging person. Uh, The idea of empowerment helps other people take control of themselves, of their um, responsibility, of their professionalism, of their faith, and in this case, of their influence. Now, you might be thinking, I don't have empower. I don't have anything to empower anybody with. Um, but there are formal systems of empowerment in the workplace setting or in school clubs or in family. But more often than not, we're going to be put in situations where we can have informal empowerment on the lives of others. Uh, this can look like uh, setting up accountability 
into a relationship, a friendship, or a coworker. Others can look like showing up to encourage and cheer on someone that you know has been working really hard to do something. This can look like if you see a friend living life at a pace that is unsustainable, you could gently speak into their life and empower them to take control of that. This can look like calling out something good some potential that you see in someone. And this last one actually happened to me when I was in high school, and it led to the most um, amazing experience, one of the most amazing experiences of my life. When I was in high school, I was a summer camp junkie, uh, especially when it was free. So I was looking for new experiences, and I was looking for opportunities to fill out my resume as I was applying for college scholarships. And so I came across one, and I asked my guidance counselor to nominate me for something called Girls' State. I know I really didn't know what it was, uh, but I knew it was free, and I knew that two girls from every high school in the state were going to go to this camp, and it was a leadership camp. So I packed my bags, and I get there, and as we're moving in, I'm talking with people, the counselor of my group came to me and said, you know, it really seems like you are good at connecting with people. I think you should run for governor. And I did not know what that meant. So she explained to me, basically, I had signed up for a week-long mock government civil engagement experience. Uh, Our groups had been divided into cities, and we would be running for every position within the state. So the local level at mayor, there would be a senate and house of representatives that would actually pass laws that the governor would sign, and then those laws would go to our state government for their consideration of what's important to the young leaders of the state. Now, I was remarkably underqualified for this thing she had asked me to do, but she believed in me, and she was willing to help me get there, so we started one of the most exciting and exhausting week, weeks of my life. There was campaigns and debates and speeches, and you guys... I won Girl State Governor of Oklahoma. I got, that's Brad Henry. I got to spend the whole day with the governor of Oklahoma while following him around, seeing his job. I appointed people to committees. I had special lunches. I signed all of these laws that went on to the legislature. And then... The greatest surprise of the entire week is that I found out at the end of that week that I was chosen to represent my state at Girls Nation. A week-long free experience of touring every monument, and I got to meet the president. This, yeah, this is me. You can always find me on the front row of a group photo. But I am so thankful to have these pictures because it was one of those experiences that you don't quite believe you actually got to have. And I got to have it because one person saw potential in me and was willing to help me get this achievement. Now, she didn't gain anything by helping me. She simply recognized that she had the power to make a positive influence in my life and she helped me get there. That's actually the main idea for uh, the message today. 
is that we can be a positive influence by investing in the potential of others. Now we know this because this is what Jesus did. Now we get to read about the life of Jesus in the first four books of the New Testament, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in those books, you read how Jesus, who could have done it without us, by the way, could have done it alone far better than any of us could have done, chooses to make people flaws and all, a part of his plan to bring God's love to the world. Uh, The Bible actually describes these disciples that Jesus chose as untrained and ordinary. So Jesus, instead of seeing untrained, ordinary people, he looks out for their potential and he invites them to be a part of what he's doing because he knows that while he has come for a tremendous purpose, he's gonna leave. He's gonna leave the world and behind he'll no longer be able to have the same in-person influence that he has had. So he spends time intentionally investing in the disciples and some other early followers so that they could continue to carry out his mission. So we're gonna look at a section of scripture today that's actually towards the end of Jesus's three-year time that he was investing in the disciples. You can find it here here in John 17, 18 through 23, and Jesus is praying. This is the night before he's going on to die. And he's praying to God, but it's very likely that the disciples were in the room with him, overhearing what he was praying. And so he kind of sums up his plan for their potential through this prayer. He says, Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Now Jesus, as you can see, now he's extending the authority that he has had out onto the disciples. And then not only that, he's saying, through what I have done, I am making them able to do this. The power that I have given them is how they are supposed to go out and carry out this truth. And then he says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. Now, what I love about this is Jesus is saying, I didn't give them this power and authority for themselves to feel good and be better than everyone, right? He's saying the reason I've given them my power and authority is so that they can go out and share the message so that others will believe. And through their connection to God, they're to go out and bring others into that connection, Right, so next, Jesus kind of repeats himself in this prayer. And I like to imagine that as he's praying, he's kind of peering around and seeing the disciples that need to hear it one more time. Right, so he says this again. I have given them the glory that you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So Jesus isn't leaving any space for self-centeredness or an individualism that would keep them from going out into the world. He really is breaking it down so simply. You're in me. I'm in them. 
there in us. They go out. They find us. We're connected to each other so that the world will know that you love them. So Jesus is building a case for an interconnectedness to our lives and to our faith. And so we can, we can invest in the potential of others by first doing this, recognizing that God created us to be better together. Now we talk about this a lot at Journey of Faith uh, because Jesus talked about this a lot. We really believe that part of Jesus' plan for us was to live life connected to one another, helping each other follow him as best as we can. So what does this look like, being better together in light of our goal of investing in the potential of others? Well, it has to start with the true belief that every single person that you know has worth and value and potential. Every single person you know that was made by God and given unique gifts and abilities that can help you be better and can help their community be better. Now this isn't always easy to find in every single person that we know. And that's where we need to do the work to focus on finding the potential in others. Now a couple of things that have really helped me do this when it's been most difficult is I try to ask myself the question, how would I treat this person if they were Jesus? Right, or I ask myself the question, am I showing this person love and respect the way that God has demonstrated his love for me. And what I mean by that is, have you ever found yourself in like a brainstorming session and someone proposes just an absurd idea? You have. So you think, would I roll my eyes at Jesus? And hopefully you wouldn't, so you don't roll your eyes at Jesus, right? Or do you have children and you find that their neediness is outpacing your patience, right? And you can think, have I ever hit the limit of God's patience with me in my neediness? And you haven't, because the limit does not exist, Right? So it can give you a new perspective on finding the patience that you need to stick with your kids to get them through that moment of neediness. It can look like assuming the best in one another. Right? Not jumping to assumption or not being overly focused or critical on the worst part of ourselves. Uh, it, it looks like wanting what's best for the person that you're empowering. Right? We don't empower others for our own good or to accomplish our own purpose. We bring people into our influence to, to make the best versions of themselves so that they can go out and spread influence. It, it means keeping realistic expectations on people. We are all a mess. We are all a work on progress. So don't hold people to a higher standard than God has held you to a standard. Right? And so some of you might be feeling like, well, no one did this for me. I don't have anyone in my life that gives me the benefit of the doubt. Well, you do. Right? And I have to believe that even in these early believers, they had some questions and wonderings about this idea of spreading love to all. And so John, who was actually one of the disciples who was sitting in that room when Jesus was praying, he wrote these words to some of the early Christian church. We love because he first loved us. That's the qualification. 
for us continuing to find the potential in others. We stay connected and united in who God made us to be, and it gives us the perspective that we need to search out the best in one another. So here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to replace one area of your life that is marked by individualism with community. Now, don't get me wrong here. I don't want this word community to feel like if you're an introvert, you must go out and make 10 new friends, right? I want you to read community as just not by myself, Okay, because some of us uh, were raised to do it alone, pick ourselves up by the bootstraps, and go out and conquer the world, right? And so that's some of that individualism rooting out when instead Jesus is saying, be together, be connected to God, be connected to one another, and through that community, we can help one another be better, Now, this can look as simple as like if there's that one new guy at work that you know everybody knows is struggling, you be the person to go ask them, how you doing? What do you need? What can I get for you, right? Or this can look like um, just evaluating who you've included in your life. Is it a diverse group of people that will help grow your perspectives and challenge your thinking so that you can continue to work out being the best version of yourself? Uh, I do have one caution specifically for those of you who find yourself in Christian community. Now, sometimes in Christian community, uh, there is a facade of community instead of real and authentic belonging. And what happens when this facade exists is that there's also an assumption exists that exists that because we're all Christians here, we all have it figured out, right? Or because we're all Christians here, none of us are prone to sin and temptation, right? So, To keep that facade or that cohesion of our group, we hide the sin and the struggle in our lives. And what happens is in isolation and in individualism, that sin and that shame can get stronger. So when we're calling out the potential of others, we don't ignore those parts. We don't treat them like they don't exist. We help to bring out those harder parts of us so that there can be hope and healing and getting better at following Jesus with our lives. Because we have each other to help us reach our full potential. And we can be people that help one another reach their full potential. Which leads us to our next idea, And like Jesus, you can make it your mission to raise up people of influence. Now, I already shared that right after Jesus started his ministry, he chose to bring people into what he was doing. Uh, He taught them, and he showed them, and he got them ready for the day that it was going to be their turn to go out and do ministry on his behalf. So where we pick up in our story right here in Luke 9, 1 through 2, it's finally the disciples' turn. So this is what it says. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now, on this mission, on what Jesus is about to send them out to do, he gave them this specific ability to cast out demons and heal diseases. Now, Jesus was a bit different than other people of his time in that he didn't believe that every single ailment had a spiritual affliction connected to it. 
Right? Jesus recognized that sometimes disease was disease, but he also acknowledged that sometimes it was a spiritual affliction. There was something bigger going on that someone needed to be freed from in order to be healed. And so it looks like Jesus is giving them the discernment to know the difference so that they can be effective. Also, it says that he gave them the power and authority. Right? These are two very different things in the context of empowerment. You need both of these things to be effective. Because if you're sent out um, with the power but without the authority, it's going to be a really frustrating situation. Right? That means you're giving someone the ability to do a job, but you're not letting them. They don't have the permission. They're going to continue to run into obstacles that's just going to frustrate them, and they won't last long in that type of empowerment. Now, the other one is almost worse. If you send someone out with the authority, but not the power, you're not doing what's best for them in that situation because they have a job to do, but they're not going to be able to do it. So they're going to go out and they're going to spread their incompetence and it's going to make an impact on your organization, on them, on your reputation as a leader. So what we see is that Jesus gives them this power and authority and this discernment and then he sends them out. And when they come back from this trip, they are amazed to tell Jesus all that they were able to do on his behalf. Now, there's other stories in the Bible where the disciples go out and they come back and they're like, Jesus, it didn't work. We weren't able to cast out demons. Why weren't we able to do it? And in those situations, Jesus brings them close. He talks to them about it. He redirects them. He recenters them on the mission. And then he sends them out again. Jesus is regularly walking alongside people who aren't yet ready for the fullness of what they're accomplishing for Jesus. And then as he walks alongside them, he allows them to learn and to grow. And he continues to mobilize the disciples as well as some other of the earlier followers of Jesus. Now, some of our influence will be limited because we will not choose to mobilize other people. Now, there's a lot of reasons that we might make this choice. One, it does take a lot of time to invest in other people. Uh, Another one is that sometimes that knowledge and that experience and that value can make us feel very important. And if I'm holding onto all of that importance, it makes me really valuable, so I'm not going to give it away. Now, I think that the main reason is that most of us do not do the work that it takes to really understand and articulate what has made us into the leader that we are. Now, I decided this back in 2019 when um, Pastor Alex and I, Pastor Alex is our Torrance campus pastor, and he and I work pretty closely together. And so we were put into a cohort of other executive pastors that we were going to travel around the nation to visit other churches like ours. Uh, they were a little bit ahead of us in terms of growth or change or transition. And the goal was that we would be able to learn from their executive leadership things that would help us be able to come back and have a positive influence on our church. Well, the first church that we got to, it was a very nice church, and the executive pastor was a very nice guy, uh, but in his time with us, his story was very much like, well, then it just happened. 
Well, we just kind of figured it out along the way. The opportunity came up, so we said yes. Right? And it was an exciting story about what was happening at their church, but it wasn't very helpful. Unless I came back to those exact same circumstances and opportunities, I wasn't able to learn from that how I might be able to make a better influence. But then the second church that we went to, it was the same format. We sat down with their executive pastor, and immediately he's like, these were the questions we started with. These were the things we had to overcome. These were the obstacles along the way. This was the easy part. Here's how we established the vision. Here's how we made sure we didn't drift from the vision. Here's how we, here's how we, here's how we, here's how we. And I was like, oh my gosh. I took so many notes, and I was like, I get it. I get the work that it takes for me to go back and make a positive influence on my church because this pastor had done the work to show his work. Now, for most of us, this is going to be the most influential thing that we can do for others by sharing our lived experience. It means that as you live and as you grow and as you get better, you're also taking the time to write down what it took to get there. You share the failures, you share the wins, you share the moments that you were changed. And and as you begin to really understand that work that was going on, that's what you take and that's what you give away. Now, another thing I get to do here at Journey of Faith is I get to work with the kids and the student ministries. So we are regularly talking about how do we empower our our kids and our students to have a vibrant faith? And how do we empower their parents and grandparents to inspire a vibrant faith in their kids? So we often say, you cannot give away what you do not have. So when it comes to positive influence, the work that you do, you can't, if you have people in your life that you want them to have a positive influence and you want to be part of shaping that, you have to do that work to be a person of positive influence in your own life. So how do you do it? How do you become a person of positive influence who focuses on empowering others? Well, we wanted to show our work and the research and the work that we've done to kind of uh, consider how we raise up people here at Journey of Faith to be a part of what God is doing at our church. And we came up with five steps, five things that you can do to empower others. Here's the first one. Recruit. Now, recruit, in this phase, this is that invitational phase, This is when you're looking for potential and passion and when you see the sparkle in someone's eye and you help them direct that into something bigger. This is the step that first happened with me with my counselor at summer camp. She saw something in me that I didn't yet because oftentimes the people with the most potential that are in your lives, they may not recognize it. They may not come to you and say that, but if you can say, here's what I see in you and here's what I know you can accomplish, sometimes that's all it takes for people to choose to step in to positive influence. Here's the next one, ready. Now in this phase, you give them all you know. You give them what you've read. You get them, give them your experience. You set them up with clarity. You set them up with vision and values. And you invest in them so that they're able to go out and accomplish what you're hoping that they can. In this phase, through all of this shared experience and shared learning, you're earning authority in their life. You're moving past just that positional authority and into a relational authority that's going to help you with this next step, which is release. At some point, you have to let them try it. 
You have to give them a chance to show you what they can do. Now, sometimes you're a little bit more involved in the process, but eventually you have to move back. You have to focus on the outcomes. You have to let them give you a chance to show all that potential that you have called out and made them ready for. Now, this may be before you think they're fully ready, but that just means that they'll be learning, learning moments along the way that you will be ready to bring them in and help them grow as they are going about what they're trying to do, which moves us to our next phase, reflect. Now, this one is so easy to avoid when you're trying to empower someone because it feels the yuckiest, right? This is when you bring someone in and you're honest about what happened and you talk with them about their experience and you ask them what they would do differently. You try to give some perspective so that they're able to grow and go out and do it differently the next time. Now, building this into your empowerment strategies, it sets the expectation that no one is expected to get it perfect every single time. But they are expected to be open to feedback and open to growth. Now, in this phase, it should be two-way, two-way reflection. As you're speaking into their life, you should be open to them speaking into your life. As you receive their feedback and as you hear their experience, you're able to model what it looks like to take feedback, make a change, process all of that, and then go out and try again. Right? And then once you really get this going, it leads us into this last phase, renew. Now in this phase, as the leader, you are on the lookout for burnout. You are on the lookout for harmful things that might be in this, the person's way and helping them work through those and overcome and prepare. Right? In this phase, you begin to help them dream. You make sure they see their own potential and that they're wondering how they can make a bigger impact, how they're growing into what's next for them. And sometimes that's the hardest part of this phase is someone that you've been investing in, they outgrow your opportunity. Sometimes they need to move on. And you're like, no, I put so much work into you. How dare you move on from me? But because you want what's best for them, you celebrate that they're growing. You celebrate that they're moving forward into their next phase of positive influence. And so here's an action step that I have for you as you begin to grasp all that it takes to empower someone. It's identify one of these steps as a growth area and practice getting better at it this week. Now in just a minute, we're gonna go back to the slide that has all five steps on it. But I wanna tell you my growth area so you can hold me accountable. I hate the reflect stage. I would much rather tell you what I love about you and tell you all the good things about you and tell you all the great things I know you're gonna do. That feels so much better to me. But that just makes me an encouraging person, right? Not someone that actually is going to empower anybody. So we had an HR consultant come to train us on some management strategies and I'll never forget what she said because I literally think about it every single day. She said, if you are withholding information from someone that would make them a better individual, employee, or friend, because of the way it makes you feel, you are a selfish chicken. <laughs> so sometimes at the end of the day, I evaluate my leadership and my empowering of others by asking myself that question, was I a selfish chicken today? 
right? So what's it for you? Let's put this list back up here so you can see, right? Maybe some of you, you really just need to pray that God would help you see potential in others. Maybe criticism has taken over in your heart and you're closed off to people, right? So maybe in this phase, you can ask that God would show you one person that you could see and call out the potential in them this week, right? Or maybe uh, in this release phase, maybe some of us as we get older, the most important thing we can do in this release phase is let go of our preferences and let go of what we want to see happen so that we can make space for those that we're raising up to take the baton and move forward. So what is it for you? What's one thing that you could do to grow in one of these areas? Because as we begin to grow in these areas, we really will begin to make an impact by investing in others. And that's what we've talked about today. We can be a positive influence by investing in the potential of others. Here's how. We recognize that God created us to be better together and that like Jesus, you can make it your mission to raise up people of influence. Now, before I close, I do want to share one statistic with you um, that I found while I was researching this message that I think makes all of the work that it takes to empower others worth it. Now, this research was done specifically with Generation Z. Uh, That's the youth and the young adults in your life. And they have been kind of classified as a generation that's tremendously anxious. Right? And so this... Um, it was a Barna research survey asked students who consider themselves anxious, what do you always or usually feel? And this is how they answered. Afraid to fail, anxious about important decisions, and uncertain about the future. Now, in this same study, they asked um, Gen Zers who feel empowered, how do you always or usually feel? And this is how they answered able to accomplish my goals, satisfied with my life choices, someone believes in me, prepared for everyday life, optimistic about the future, and deeply cared for by those around me. Now, if you're a parent, is this not a checklist for what you want for your children? If you manage a team, is this not a checklist for what they want you or what you want them to feel about working with you? Or if you have parents that are retired and in their golden years of life, is this not how you want them to describe what their life is like right now? Through empowering others, we have the potential to make people feel this way. So let's do it. Let's focus on our influence and empowering those around us because it's incredible what can happen. So we're gonna close up the service by praying. Before I pray, would you go ahead and stand with me both here at Manhattan Beach as well as over at our Torrance campus? Hey, if you need someone to pray with today or someone to talk to you about something going on in your life, we always have staff and volunteers available down here at the cross to connect with you. So please take advantage of them and just come forward and pray with them after service. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for being a God who sees potential in us. Thank you for being a God who made us unique and talented and um, deep. And thank you for the worth and the value that you give us. God, compel us to see it in one another. Uh, Compel us to focus on what is good in one another and and give each other the space to work that out. Uh, Help us to spur one another on and encourage one another and bring feedback when we can. And um, God, we... 
we thank you for the influence of the early disciples. We thank you for the way that they have carried out your message and helped all of us to see the love that you have for us. And so God, I pray that we would continue that work. We would continue drawing people closer to you uh, and we celebrate the impact that you're making in people's lives here and around the world. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you guys so much for coming today. We'll see you back next week.